0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Furkan Dandia. In this week's episode, I'm excited to welcome Yosef Sagi. Yosef lives and breathes transformation, running the gamut across multiple disciplines and modalities. For 14 years, he has led as a spiritual studies teacher and executive developing and teaching curricula that empowers people to live out their true potential by becoming aware of and overcoming their internal blocks. He is a certified professional coach and an energy leadership index master practitioner and has trained others in advanced coaching skills. He is also an esoteric guide, tantric body worker, reality bender, and psychonaut. He loves people and meets every interaction with wonder, curiosity, presence, acceptance, and connection. In this episode, Yosef also shares one of his frameworks around consent and expressing our fears, desires, and boundaries. Yosef and I then discuss how powerful this framework can be for any kind of relationship and why setting boundaries can be helpful. We also explore how setting boundaries can be uncomfortable for us because of our programming from childhood. Please find Yosef on Instagram at Yosef Sagge and online at yosefsaggy.com. I really hope you enjoy this episode. And if at the end you could leave a five star review, I would truly appreciate it. Yosef, welcome to the Easy Conversations podcast. Uh, super grateful for you to come on here. I'm really excited for this conversation. We haven't really talked much. Uh, we met a couple of weeks ago at, at Fest, and uh, I really enjoyed your workshop, which inspired me to, to follow up with you and, and have this conversation. But before we jump into that, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and maybe talk about what it is that you do. And I have some questions around that as well, but I'll turn it over to you.
1: Sure. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me on your podcast and it was a it felt like a like a really incredible meeting at Anatha Fest, and i know we didn't connect a lot but i think the people through which we connected are very heartfelt beings and right away there was this mutual like oh this guy's pretty awesome so um very excited to be on here uh happy to speak briefly about what i do as well um i guess it's more about who i am i've always been a seeker from a very young age, and spirituality, metaphysics, esoterics, all of these things fascinated me when I was young. I was into astrology, and numerology, and Kabbalah, and all kinds of studies, and that, that's, that's been a solid thing in my life the way that I was searching for spirituality when I was younger and what I was connecting to were paths that were a lot more ascetic and a lot more repressive. And it was a lot about sort of like stopping the natural desires of the body so that you can connect to your soul. So sleep less, eat less, uh, don't have as much sex. Like I was a lot of that kind of relationship to spirituality, that Mm asceticism. And I think it gave me a firm foundation and a lot of depth and wisdom and understanding and yet there were these parts of me that never got to live and never got to experience spirituality because of the way that i experienced it and this sort of separation of the soul from the body as this dualistic system that these are such different things so you got to repress one to express the other just didn't make sense to me and didn't work for me honestly anymore. And that's when i went on to a journey and started getting more into tantra and sacred sexuality and that connection for the sacred sexuality really awakened the spirituality that comes through the body and what i discovered as i was going down that path is that our relationship to our sexuality is probably one of the biggest predictors to our relationship to our spirituality and how we show up in the world so that's a, a really powerful and a potent portal. And that's what I focus on now, how to connect through our spirituality, uh, through our sexuality, to our spirituality, to our way of expressing ourselves out in the world. Everything that sort of, how we're not showing up the way we want to in in life, you know, it, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's expressed through our sexuality as well. And that's sort of what led me down that path and eventually to consent, which is such a key part of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Thank you for sharing that. And and so, what have you been doing now in terms of that space? Because obviously, you're uh, you know you're working on helping others understand this and, and sharing some of the wisdom you've uh, gained over the years. So, what does that look like
1: now? That's a great question. So, in terms of my own practice and the work that I do, I tend to work with a lot of people, either one on one or couples or small groups, and I do a combination of coaching and I bring in spiritual modalities, somatic modalities in order to really help people overcome all the blockages that they have in their life and specifically it shows up around expression, sovereignty, uh, sexuality and that inevitably affects their business, their relationships and everything else they do and that sort of led me to doing workshops and festivals. And I started by doing more tantric workshops. And I realized very quickly that in order to do workshops that are so intimate, it was necessary to have really strong consent guidelines within those workshops. So people were respecting each other and honoring each other and their boundaries and themselves, honestly, Mm -hmm. and that quickly transitioned to an exploration of consent for its own merits and for the value that it has on its own. And it's sort of transitioned that I still do the tantric stuff, but I've been requested to lead these consent workshops and at festivals. And that's what led me eventually to Nath, and that's how I met you. Uh, I think that was the longest consent workshop that I had given at that point an hour just on consent without it leading specifically into any other type of a workshop after.
0: Yeah, so I was able to attend that workshop and, and many things jumped out. To me and and that was it was amazing in terms of what you shared and one of the things i wanted to ask you is around consent it it could be often a trigger for many people and and the other thing i wanted to explore with you is often there's this misconception that if you've given consent to anything you can't take it back and that's something you also talked about in your workshop but i want to get listeners to understand how you help people navigate that space where they often either get triggered or they struggle with the fact that, Oh, how can I have a conversation around something I've expressed in the past? And maybe I've changed my mind or, or something in, that I'm doing is
1: changing within me. Um, so yeah. How do you guide people through that? Uh, those are two great questions. And I think, Well, one statement that can start leading to answering both of those is our definition around what consent means. Some people use consent interchangeably with permission Mm. and consent and permission aren't the same thing. You ask for permission. That's sort of more of a one-way thing, right? Where you're, uh, you ask for something and you get something. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Okay. Consent, uh, the way that it's understood in this space is an agreement that two people arrive to together. So it's a framework, it's a container that you create together with someone else. And that includes maybe permission for some things, but it, but uh, the framework that I was using at Anatha, which is one of the more basic frameworks that's really helpful, is sharing your fears, desires, and boundaries within an interaction that you're going to have with someone else. So what are some concerns, worries, fears that I have, desires, what do I want to get out of it, boundaries. Right. So that's what I don't want to experience in in this. And then you check in with the other person if they can step into your desires, if they can honor your boundaries, and you hear from them their fears, desires, and boundaries. And you see if you can step into their desires and honor their boundaries. And then if if all of that works, and those boundaries might be boundaries around types of touch, types of talk, the amount of time for the container, all of those things you create that container, then whatever exists in the container happens within consent and anything outside of the container hasn't yet c- had, uh, had a container for consent. Mm. So that way, if, you know, you create a consent container for a certain amount of time that exists for that time period, it ends when that time is over and then you can create a new container for it. Yeah. So that's in terms of the time frame for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for breaking that, that down. And I really appreciated
0: that framework too, because It's something I plan on using in future conversations and it's really helpful. But one of the things is, okay, so you've had this conversation and it can lead to a very healthy and deep connection because you're being very transparent and vulnerable in that space. But what if you need to revisit that conversation even before the time period that you've set Um, hasn't expired in that sense. And you may want to revisit it sooner rather than later. How can people approach that? And what are some of the fears that you see with the
1: the people that you work with around having those discussions? So generally, these two things that we're talking about, desires and boundaries, are two of the things that people are, tend to be most scared to communicate with other people. Right, mm-hmm. we're afraid to ask for what we want. We're afraid to say it. Why? Uh, maybe we're gonna be shamed. Maybe we're gonna be rejected. Maybe people think are gonna think it's weird. So we have all these desires, and we're afraid to share them in the first place. And then there's that just that overall, like, oh, you shouldn't ask for things, right? And, yeah, that's greedy. So there's that whole mindset. And then about boundaries, it's similar. It's like, oh, will I hurt the other person's feelings? Am I being too picky? Uh, you know uh do, i'm gonna i'm gonna keep rejecting them that's not right i shouldn't be so you know i shouldn't have my walls up so there's all these thoughts that we have around uh desires and boundaries and that stops us from communicating them in the first place and that happens before or during because sometimes you're you, you might even have like during um you know an interaction with someone and everything feels really great and all of a sudden it stops feeling great Mm-hmm. When it stops feeling great, you might be like, "Oh, I already agreed to this. I shouldn't change my mind. I shouldn't set my new boundary, or I shouldn't ask for a new desire." It's like, "Oh, that's what I asked for. Well, that's why what, that's what I got to deal with right now." And so, a lot of people have shame around changing it, even in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so, one of the uh, one of the things in the consent space is what whose responsibility is it to stop when things don't feel good? Hmm. Hmm. the answer to that is the first person that notices mm-hmm. we also sometimes people think it should be the man it should be the woman you know there's those kind of like gender roles around thing or the initiator versus the person who was you know requested should it be one no whoever notices that it doesn't feel right first it's your responsibility to say something about it
0: that's very interesting so what you're saying with that is say if I'm in a conversation and the other person's expressed consent or shared their desires and boundaries, and all of a sudden now I start noticing something is off, I shouldn't be thinking that, oh, because they initiated that conversation, they should be the one saying something. Just because I'm feeling something, you're suggesting that it's my responsibility now uh, as a participant in this conversation to bring it up.
1: That's right. It's your responsibility. And it's not just your responsibility. You get to do that mm-hmm. because what happens if you don't, what happens if you know, it's uncomfortable, the other person, either, uh, the other person, either, you know, they have a shame about bringing it up, but you know, it doesn't feel right. You're not going to feel great at the end of that interaction. Mm-hmm. Get responsibility. It's just not going to be great for you. If it's not great for them. Right. Right. You're not going to feel good about it. You yeah. We'll feel, feel weird after. It's better to avoid that and like pause for a second and be like, Hey, I'm noticing, you know, it didn't feel quite like it did like five minutes ago. Like I just want to check in what's coming up for you. Mm -hmm. Can I touch you a different way? Can I pleasure you a different way? Do you want to try something different? Do you need a little bit bit of a break? Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things, uh, and I'll share
0: my own personal experience with that framework when when we were doing it at the workshop, because typically my fear revolves around rejection and Often, I can't speak for others, but what I see typically, and myself included, is, well, because we have that fear of rejection, we prolong this conversation, and it becomes something bigger in our head than it actually is. And by putting it on the table, it may not be even that bad. But at the same time, you're giving the other person an opportunity to understand where you're coming from. And they can either say they want to participate or they don't but you're having that conversation a lot sooner and rather than waiting for it to just kind of become something bigger.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing, the, the beauty about consent and the gift that it offers is intimacy. Mm-hmm. It, it makes, it makes any interaction more intimate. Now more intimate, what, what does intimacy require? Intimacy requires a vulnerability and authenticity and that's scary. Because if I put my desires out there, right, what if they reject them? Oftentimes, we think someone rejects my desire, they're rejecting me. That's mm-hmm. not true. <laughs> it's not true. You're not rejected as a human being. You're a whole, your desires are valid, all of that. It belongs. But sometimes that person just doesn't want what you want. And that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. But that yeah. takes vulnerability to put it out there. And I and I get it. I understand. I, I, I mean, it's scary for me, too. Even with all these frameworks, it can, it can be scary to put yourself out there and there can even be the disappointment of just not getting what you want. But you can reframe that as being, like, I put myself out there. I allowed myself to be vulnerable. I allowed myself to open up my heart to another person. And that has value in and of itself. And that's exactly what boundaries are as well. You know, the saying that I shared is that walls keep people out. Boundaries show them where the door is. A boundary is a love language. It shows someone how you can interact with them. What's the right way in? This is how you love me. This is how you connect with me. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful framework to use by sharing that this is the door and this is what I'd like to experience within yeah. that within conversation. And yeah. so there's a gift there, the gift of creating intimacy through being present, being present with your own desires and boundaries, listening with presence to the other person's desires and boundaries and together finding where that overlaps and how we are going to interact hundred
0: mm-hmm, percent. And, and what I like about that too, is to your point earlier, even if the other person doesn't necessarily reject your desires, they can at least set boundaries around how they can participate in that. Right. And, and, and I think by extension, like this may not only apply to romantic or sexual relationships, you can apply that to friendships uh, and all kinds of relationships, where you're able to talk about your fears and your desires and your boundaries. And and I think it's valuable in, in many realms. I don't know what your
1: thoughts are when it comes to this. hundred percent agreed. I think that these frameworks were created for the space around intimate and sexual encounters. And then quickly people realize like, wow, we can use this in other places as well. And in any types of relationships, platonic relationships. One of the examples that I love to give around this is conversation with a friend you know I think everyone can think of that friend that sometimes it feels draining after having a conversation with them it feels like it's not going anywhere they're coming and they're venting at you but you know but you know you don't really you know nothing ever changes so you can have that conversation with them because they're your friend and you care about them you want to show them where the door is so you can have the conversation you can be like you know I would really love to talk to you I care about you I love you you know that I'm afraid that what's going to happen when we talk is what happens sometimes where, you know, we spend an hour or two hours on the phone and it, we just keep processing. It goes circular and then nothing happens on the other side of that. And you know what, that just takes all the, my energy out. Mm-hmm. What I would love to do is support you in this. I do want to listen. I want to give you one chance to vent it all out so you can clear it out. But from there, my boundary is that, first of all, we set amount of time for this. I have half an hour for you today, and that's all I can give. And second of all, that once we're past the venting stage, we take some steps to move it forward. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't feel good for me otherwise. Yeah. Does that yeah. sound good to you? Can you can you keep this conversation to 30 minutes? Can you work within my boundaries? Yeah. And the person gets to say yes, no. And then you get to ask them, and what would you like to get out of this conversation? What are your boundaries around it? Hear from them and see if you can step into that. And that makes a a conversation a lot more intimate. You've Mm -hmm. already created intimacy before the conversation began just by having that framework. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And one of the things,
0: you know, with anything new you're trying to learn or practice, it often requires, you know, having that muscle memory and it takes time and practice. And quite often what happens is if things backfire, we get discouraged and we don't want to try that thing again because we had maybe a negative experience. For people that try this and it doesn't work, depending on who they're trying it with, because that can often dictate that as well in terms of the outcome. What do you recommend in those situations? Because it's easy to get discouraged, especially when you're trying something new that's outside of your comfort zone.
1: Well, I'd love to hear from you what your definition of it doesn't work is.
0: Well, I mean, whether the other person doesn't respond. So like I'm being vulnerable and I think a lot of people, myself included at times, we treat vulnerability as conditional, right? It's conditional on how it's received. So, so, you know, if the other person doesn't respond back or they get triggered because I'm saying something, you know, my desire is something that they don't want to participate in or, or even my boundary is something triggering for them because I feel quite often when we set boundaries, they can trigger others. So depending on how the other person responds and it doesn't go well, or the conversation just hits a dead end, Mm -hmm. what do you do in those situations? Cause I, you know, I've, I've had situations in the past where I, I haven't used this exact framework, but I've tried to have similar conversations and it wasn't received well, or the other person got triggered. And before I did my own self work, I took that personally, mm-hmm. but now I, I, I recognize that, oh, it's not about me. It's maybe something about them that they haven't really sorted out, but it takes a little bit of I would say vulnerability even to have compassion for another person right in that Mm -hmm. moment so so yeah I guess I'm trying to answer the question myself but I want to get your thoughts
1: on it yeah I think you did answer the question uh first of all I mean (sighs) especially after we're doing the work and we learn to be vulnerable and we've learned to be good listeners and ask good questions and really, you know, be introspective. I think one of the things that happens for all of us is we start encountering people in a different way. And we have this like urgency inside of us that look what it's done for me. I would love that for you. And when they're not there, there's still this internal judgment around the distance between me and you Mm -hmm. around that. And we're not quite at the place of being unconditional yet towards it. And we still have feelings around it. I would challenge that. Well, first of all, I would say that's completely normal. (laughs) Second of all, I would challenge that that does work. The Mm -hmm. fact that you went and you were vulnerable and the other person couldn't go there actually worked. It's an example of how the framework works because that shows that you can't be safe in an interaction with that person. And it's not right for you Mm -hmm. in in this moment. If the person can't honor your boundaries, then that's perfect. That Mm -hmm. conversation worked. It's not that every time you have this conversation, it's going to lead guaranteed to an interaction. It will just inform you whether the interaction can or cannot happen and how it can happen if it happens.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes the end of it is like, okay, great. So we're not going to have a conversation.
0: Right. And and in those moments, I guess I I would like to remind people that are listening that not to personalize it, right? I think the tendency often... And again, I'm just speaking out of experience is to personalize it that, oh, this person's not willing
1: to go there because of me. Yeah. It's nothing to do with you. It's where they're at. Right. Yeah. And nothing's wrong with that either. It just, there's not an alignment. They get to be where they're at. They get to have, in a way they're communicating their own desires and boundaries. They're just not doing it in a conscious and clear way. Mm -hmm. They're telling you, I can't honor that boundary. It might be through shouting or being defensive or passive aggressive, but that's what they're communicating. I can't honor that boundary and I have a different desire than you. Right. In your words, I guess
0: that person's not willing to honor that container, as you mentioned earlier, um, by by not participating in that conversation either. But uh, I'd like to take a shift here. And and we've talked a lot about boundaries and And as I mentioned to you offline, I've had many people in conversations and and I think the reason why boundaries resonated for me at your workshop and why I wanted to talk to you about it today as well is not only do I see people struggling with boundaries, I I think myself, I've, I've struggled. In fact, even yesterday, I had a situation where I was getting mad at someone and at least in that moment, I was able to remind myself that, no, this is because I'm not setting boundaries and the only person I need to focus on is myself. I can't be upset at someone else because I'm, I've am i got porous boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that is, it's a tough conversation even with yourself when you have to shift the focus. Um, it's, it's easy to be upset at someone else. But quite often when we don't see, set proper boundaries, it's easier for us to get upset with others because for some reason, we assume they should just know, or we have these expectations around how people should be showing up for us without ever expressing that. And that is one of the reasons why I love your framework, because you're having that conversation up front, and you're being very specific and deliberate about what your boundaries are. Otherwise, the other person may never know. So why? And I don't know if you can answer this. Why is boundary setting and I know you touched on it a little bit earlier but why is boundary setting so difficult for people and why have we been programmed not to set boundaries
1: so yeah I think we did touch uh, I touch about it a little bit earlier yeah. which was that people are afraid yeah They're afraid of going to set boundaries then it's going to offend somebody else and I think this starts like even in our childhood uh, uh we're not really programmed to have Boundaries uh as kids because at the beginning we can't even really communicate well. So what happens is people just do things for us and do things to us. And it's even in the simple way of you just get picked up and moved around and like all the time as a kid. You don't even realize that you get and and how does a kid set boundaries? They cry or they're upset, but they're not really, you know, speaking, so we don't know what's wrong. So I think the part of it is just the nature of humanity that um it's uh we don't really learn that Mm -hmm. and then a lot of the times when we do when we learn to speak and we do communicate our boundaries as children they're not taken seriously at the beginning yeah it's like I want to be alone no it's dinner time right You, you, you don't you don't get to choose those things a lot of the times as kids right you know as parents uh I think a lot of times people think they know better what's right for the kid And Mm -hmm. so they start instilling the child with an inability to to set boundaries by not honoring their boundaries. Because kids actually, once they learn to speak, are really good at saying what they want and what they don't want. They're actually better than most adults. But the continually continual denial and shaming and dishonoring of those desires and those boundaries eventually becomes something that's programmed into ourselves. In the most Just common and natural way that it it just has been that way forever. Mm -hmm. I think people are starting to recognize this in the parenting uh, space and learning how to do things differently and honoring a child and even asking a child or telling them, even before they're verbal, this is what I'm going to do now, I'm going to pick you up, even if they can't have the response. So they know there's communication around it. And that's something that is being done now I used to be in children's education then so I know so it's something that's being done now uh, more and more consciously but I think that that's the main reason behind it is just because that's not honored not in our childhood at home in school for such a long time and Mm -hmm. then just programmed yeah and I guess the around the same lines the messaging
0: we receive too is if we don't honor our boundaries we're upsetting other people potentially right and and we get this sense of approval or validation when we compromise our boundaries and and to your point that's the programming we grow up with and we carry that into our adult relationships so there's that fear of as you mentioned earlier around rejection
1: or being denied something if if we put up boundaries yeah exactly we or i love what you said about it we're actually we have positive reinforcement for the times that we compromise our boundaries cuz oh you're so nice oh you're so kind and so you get that like little endorphin kick every time that you do it and it feels like a little bit good but then right after that that sort of fizzles out you feel bad about yourself after cuz you dishonored yourself 100% yeah and and to your point
0: earlier boundaries are really meant to show people the door yeah right they're not a wall we're not keeping people on the outside so what are some things you encourage people with in in terms of the people that you work with or the workshops you do what are some things people can be mindful of when they're setting boundaries and um and and how can they even honor
1: them yeah so so the first thing is I think the recognition and the difference between the boundaries and the walls. I think that there there tends to be an overcorrection for some people after they've had no boundaries that then they're just walls. So instead of showing them the door, they just cut everything out and they're just like, no, I'm just gonna take care of me. And then that creates a lot of times what happens is it burns a lot of bridges. And then they're like, oh, no, I've, I, I shouldn't have a wall up. And then they go back to having no boundaries. So it's hard for people to find the middle sometimes and have good communication around it, because when people put walls up, it's usually something that's reactive rather than conscious in the moment. So the wall just goes up and like, no, I'm taking care of myself right now. And so the idea is before everything, how do you create, make, make something more conscious? You pause, hmm. take a pause. I'm having feelings right now. It's either feelings that I need to please or feelings that I need to <laughs> push people out. Let me just pause before I take make a choice. Let me check in with myself. And one of the frameworks that I love for checking in is checking in with different parts of yourself and how they feel around a situation. And the four parts, and we have many, many parts, but the four parts that I sort of bring up around it is checking in with your head, or your logic around something, checking with your heart and your emotion, checking in with your body and its intuitive sense, and checking in with your genitals, checking in with that like primal um, like like desire and what's going on there. And when you check in with those four parts, oftentimes you'll be more clear around how you want to proceed around something. Because your head will start telling you, you know, something like that's not safe. Maybe you should wait or no, that feels good. That makes a lot of sense, you know, and we'll start communicating that way. And the heart will just, you know, doesn't use logic at all. It's like, oh, this makes me feel really good. Or, oh, this makes me feel afraid. And then in the body, you'll, you'll get, you'll feel it's more more than like words or feelings it's more like you'll feel contracted and tight around something or it feels like very loose and open uh-uh. and then in the genitals it's like is there like a towards or like an away from am i aroused by it or does it make me feel flat mm. so like what what's the what's the energy in those four different parts and if i take time to check in with that rarely is it a fuck yes and all four or a fuck no and all four there's often some kind of mix but at least i'll have more information available to me before i express a boundary or a desire Mm -hmm. for that matter after i just pause and check in right even if you don't do that check with all four parts and just pause you'll already have awareness if you just take a break and don't decide right away already like new awareness dawns on you
0: yeah yeah it's important to recognize instead of reacting we can always act and quite often when we don't take that pause we're we're always in a reactive mode and and we're not necessarily understanding as to your point the four parts are so important i don't think people often take the time to analyze what they're feeling in those various parts to to give them that intuition around how to respond or or even act
1: or or what to say in that moment yeah that's exactly it and there's so much judgment around around that sometimes i think for yeah for everyone around that on how it works especially if some of the parts are so gung-ho and other ones don't want it at that moment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so yeah go ahead yeah no i'll just continue because uh, i have another question later yeah <laughs> yeah I, I so it's it's really about honoring all the different parts. And what I've recently sort of recognized about it is after you get the answer from the different parts, some of them are going to be happy and then you're going to make a choice. And if they're not all in agreement, some of them will be happy with the choice and others will be disappointed by the choice. Yeah. And it's how can you still honor the parts of you that are disappointed in a different way so that they, feel, they still feel loved. So let's say you ended up, If we'll just take the head and the heart for a moment and you ended up going and following your head, you know, but the heart wanted something else, how can you still love and nurture the heart and give it what it needs in a different way that's not going to happen through this interaction? Or the opposite, if you decide to follow your heart and, and your head is like, oh, this doesn't feel good. You know, how can you start talking to yourself and using logic with your mind? Cause that's what it responds to, to sort of like ease that process. So mm-hmm. that it makes it easier for the head, right? So so whichever part isn't in agreement with the choice in the end, find ways to appease it. And it works different for each of the four parts. Yeah, yeah, no, that was my question. So thank you for
0: going yeah. there. Yeah, it's important to understand that, yeah, you may not be in alignment and how can you gain more alignment with yourself? And what are you willing to accept? Now, there could be times where you may not have the answer. Mm. And it, I believe it's perfectly okay to say, hey, I don't have an answer or I don't know right now. I need some time to come back. Yeah. And, and what I find often, because we don't have an answer, we get uncomfortable And we try to respond regardless, because again, we have this fear of how the other
1: person is going to take our response. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And it's not always a yes, a fuck yes or a fuck no. It's not always, it's actually often on a spectrum in between. And even in response to things, it's not always just, it could be yes, fuck yes, I want in, or it could be fuck no, I want out, or it could be, you know, you know what I'm not sure yet? Let me take some more time. Let me sit with it because I'm because I'm not getting a clear message right now. It could be I am interested, but the timing's not right. Can we can, let's do it later. So it's not so it is a yes, but not now. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it could be not exactly that, but something a little bit different. And that's why I said that the consent isn't permission, It's a conversation. It's agreement that you come to together. So you start going back and forth and then you find what's right. and that's when it's consensual. Maybe it's later. Maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe you know, you know, it can go in all kinds of different directions. And when both people feel good about it, that's consent, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think part of it
0: too, to honor that container, as we've talked about, it's it's being able to also appreciate the fact, right? Like I've one of the things I try to do is when someone, because being vulnerable, as we've discussed, can be very uncomfortable and and new for a lot of people. And on the receiving end, if you respond with judgment or you you respond with shame, that's impacting the other person, right? And they may not be able to do it again. So one of the things, you know, and again, I want to get your thoughts is how do you respond on the receiving end? And at least what I try to practice is be, be grateful for the person to, to demonstrate that level of vulnerability because it's not easy. And the last thing you want to do is shut them down in that
1: scenario. Exactly. it, And that's why in the practice that we did together, if you remember when a person, uh, we did a practice where you asked something and the person had to say no. So you're going to get a no, no matter what. So at least, you know, people could brace themselves for it, (laughs) which, which is a good practice before you get into something real, that the response to that was something like, thank you for honoring yourself. Thank you for taking care of yourself. Thank you for honoring your boundaries, right? To thank them for doing something that was equally uncomfortable for them. Mm -hmm. Just as hard it is for you to express your desires, it's hard for the other person to express their boundaries because, you know, that's true for you too. So thank you for doing that. Honestly, I would add on top of that. Well, thank you for asking for what you wanted, even if if it it didn't happen. That was really brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And we can just have so much more love and understanding and compassion because, We struggle with that too.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, Yosef, this has been amazing. And thank you again for coming on. Uh, We won't talk about the technical difficulties, but for listeners that want to get a hold of you or reach out to you, that want to learn more about your framework, what are some best ways they can do that? Like, what are, whether it's social media, online,
1: the two best ways to connect to me are either through my Instagram. So if you spell my name right, I'm the only one. Uh, so it works with these ethnic names. It's really great um, that you'll find me on Instagram, Yosef Sugi, uh, or you can go to my website, yosefsagi.com. And there's a contact form there. But I, if you go, if you slide into my DMs, I generally reply to those as well. So those are the two best ways to connect with me.
0: Amazing. Yeah. And I'll put that in the show notes. But uh, yeah, th- wanted to thank you again, I really enjoyed this conversation. And I was, again, honored to be a part of the workshop I learned so much and like I said I plan on practicing uh, this framework as well as I move on a- in my own journey.
1: Well, really, thank you for having me thank you for Uh, I I appreciate your presence and your reflection and the way that you showed up, even for this conversation. I felt like this is exactly it. We were vulnerable. We were open. We shared thoughts. uh, And that's what it's all about. And I feel more connected because of all of that, because we both managed to sort of settle into that space. So I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem.
0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode. As always, please subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy the episodes or leave a comment in the comment section. I always love hearing from you. Thank you again and until next week.